This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We're back on faith again tonight. And I I believe it's really important again that, that we hear the Word of God on this because when we talk about the Word of God, every one of us in this room, we're either going to live our lives based on the Word of God or we're going to live our lives based on the things of this world. Now, when I talk about these things of the world, listen real close to this scripture. 1 Corinthians 4, 4 says, the God of this age. And if we were to turn there, that word God is a little g in there. It says, the God of this age has blinded their eyes. So the God of this age is literally the God of this world. So if I'm not operating by the word of God, I'm literally following the paths of the evil one, the devil one. And a lot of times people don't even realize that and know that. That's the other uh, possibility in my life. I'm either going to follow God's word or I'm going to follow the things of the world. And so even right here in Joshua 1, this is why it's such a big deal that when I follow the things of God in my life, my life is blessed. Now, in saying that, I want you to turn now to the book of 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11 and... My life has been an interesting journey with me. I, I'm very grateful for the things of God in my life. And this, this may bear witness with you, but many of us in this room, we understand that if it wasn't for God in our lives, we probably wouldn't be here. We'd either be dead in the grave or in prison. But also in the area of, of marriage, uh, yesterday I, I celebrated my 36th anniversary. As I sat there and reflected on that, I, I can truthfully stand before you tonight, and I can tell you this right now. If we wouldn't have been committed to God, we would have never made it, okay? And so when God gets in you, man, He, he does something on the inside of you. And He moves, and so I, I just tell you, and grab on to the things of God, unlike any other time, and God will move in your life. He still makes messes and makes, takes messes and makes miracles if you allow Him to. Okay, we're in First Kings here. Now, I've got to give you a little history of what's going on here. King David was the greatest king of Israel of all times. I, I believe I can say that, and most of us would agree with that. And he wasn't perfect, but man, he was a man after God's own heart. He loved the Lord. Well, when King David went on to go home and be with the Lord, his son Solomon took his place. And Solomon started out very godly. He was on the right track, but we know this throughout the Bible. It's just not how you start, it's how you finish. And so Solomon started getting off track. He started drifting from the, the things of God. And part of the reason he drifted from the things of God is he was warned on numerous occasions. And they said, don't marry those foreign women. Don't marry those ungodly women. And the reason was that it wasn't because they were pretty or not pretty. The reason was that, as the Bible's very clear, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers because they knew those ungodly women would pull him away from the things of God. Now, he had a problem, too. He had 750 wives. He had a problem, okay? I'm telling you, the guy, he had some issues. But he kept running from God. Now, this is where we pick up here in 1 Kings chapter 11. And man, faith is going to play into this tonight. So begin with me in verse 26. 
Then Solomon's servant was a man named Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, an Ephraimite from Zeredah, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow as also rebelled against the king. And this is what caused him to rebel against the king. Solomon had built the, he had built the Milo and repaired the damage to the city of David, his father. The man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing that this young man was very in, industrious, he was talented, he was a good worker. And he made him officer over the labor force of the house of Joseph. Now, this, this man here, Jeroboam, was the most dangerous adversary to Solomon. Okay, Solomon is still king here, but this, this young guy named Jeroboam, he's on the rise. Keep reading with me here. Now, it happened at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, met him on the way and he had clothed himself with a new garment and the two were alone in the field. Then Ahijah took hold of the new garment that was on him and he tore it into 12 pieces. Okay, I'm going to give you a little history lesson here. The reason he tore it into 12, 12 pieces, the nation of Israel was divided into 12 different tribes. All those tribes were from a, a man named Jacob who was better or renamed by God Israel. So this is how the kingdom of God was set up with these 12 tribes. So he says right here, the prophet, he gets this, this shirt here and he tears it into, two, into t- uh, 12 garments. Verse 31. And he said to Jeroboam, take for yourself 10 pieces. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and I will give ten tribes to you. So he tells him, he said, I'm going to make you ruler over these ten tribes. And very clear here, he said, I'm going to take them away from Solomon. Verse 32. But he shall have one tribe for the sake of my servant David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Because, now watch this. The reason he's taken it out of their hands, he said, because they have forsaken me and they worship the Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Shamas, the god of the Mobites, and Milcom, the god of the people of Ammon, and they have not walked in my ways to do what is right in my eyes and keep my statutes and my judgments as did his father David. Now, in reading that right there, God gives every one of us the choice. We don't have to obey God, okay? Not one of us in here. You don't have to obey God if you don't want to. But understand this. There's going to be consequences anytime I don't live by the word of God. Now, if we want to reflect back just briefly there on Joshua 1.8. He said that when you obey all of the word of God, you would prosper and have good success. But understand there's an alternative for that. If I don't obey God and honor His Word and live by His Word, it's going to be the exact opposite of prosper and good success. You find out real quick, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be a blessing. So this is what's going on here. Verse 34. However, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand because I have made him ruler of the days of his life for the sake of my servant David, whom I chose because he kept my commandments and my statutes. God loved David. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand, and I will give it to you ten tribes. 
And to his son I will give one tribe that my servant David may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen for myself to put my name there. So I will take you and you shall reign over all your heart's desire and you shall be king over Israel. Then it shall be, listen to this, then it shall be if you heed all that I command you and walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight to keep my statutes, my commandments as my servant David then, then I will be with you and I will build for you an enduring house as I built for David and I will give Israel to you. Now, did you see the charge there, the challenge? He said, if you heed it. Again, God doesn't get people in a headlock. God won't force you to obey him. God made us free will beings. He said, you know what? I'm going to give you the ability to choose. But he tells him, man, if you will obey me, this is what I'm going to do. And so we hear, we see right here that this becomes very, very important for us to understand this. God hadn't changed. Now we fast forward and turn with me to to 1 Kings 14. And as we fast forward here, he had moved Jeroboam into that position just like he said. But I hate to tell you this, Jeroboam didn't heed all that God asked him to do. And he began to drift from the things of God. And he began to get away from the things of God. And actually the things he started to do, God specifically said, it's sin. It is sin. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. The compensation of sin is death. Was this God's desire for this man? No, it wasn't, but because of his choice. So we go to, to, to 1 Kings 14, verse 1. At that time, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, became sick. So Jeroboam's the king. He's got a little boy. I don't know if I should say little. He's got a son that he becomes sick. Not good, a great crisis. And so Jeroboam said to his wife, Please arise and disguise yourself. Now, as I read right there and see the word disguise herself, just think about this. Why would you ever disguise yourself? It's kind of like to me, why do people lie? Why do people sneak around? It ought to be a warning to us. If I've got to disguise myself to hide something in my life, if I've got to lie about something, if I've got to sneak around to do things, there's probably something wrong with it. And the Lord has convicted you in your heart and you just chose to disobey So he tells his wife, he said, listen, dear, disguise yourself. That they may not recognize you as the wife of Jeroboam. And I want you to go to Shiloh. Indeed, Ahijah, the prophet, is there. The one who told me that I would be king over this people. And so he tells his wife, I want you to go see the prophet. He'll know what to do. He was really a, really a great man, wasn't he? Honey, why don't you go and do this? Why don't you take my place? And again, a lot of times as human beings, we can fool a lot of people. You can't fool God, okay? God sees. Verse 3. 
Also, take with you ten loaves, some cakes, and a jar of honey, and go to him, and he will tell you what will become of the child. Now, this was customary to go to the prophet to bring him a gift. Verse 4, and Jeremiah's wife did so. She arose and went to Shiloh, and she came to the house of Ahijah. But Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were glazed by reason of his age. Because of of his old age, his eyesight quit functioning properly. Now, what's interesting there is this. She realizes that his eyesight's bad, so she's thinking... He's so old and blind, he can't see anything. He doesn't know if I'm the homecoming queen or some scrub woman. He doesn't have a clue. But watch what takes place here, verse 5. Now the Lord had said to Ahijah, Here is the wife of Jeroboam coming to ask you something about her son, for he is sick. And thus and thus you shall say to her, for it will be when she comes in, that she will pretend to be another woman. She'll pretend to be another woman. Again, you can pretend all you want. You can be an Academy Award winner as an actor, but you're not going to fool God. And the issue here was this, was Ahijah had lost his eyesight, but he had stayed in great communication with God. He still heard from God. Verse 6. And so it was when Ahijah heard the sound of her footsteps as she came through the door, he said, Come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why do you pretend to be another person? For I've been sent to you with bad news. Now, can you imagine? She's all dressed up. She's all disguised, thinking I'm going to fool him that way. And then she realizes he's blind. And so you get it. She's coming, walking up to the door. She knocks on the door. And Ahijah the prophet says, Hello, Miss Jeroboam, pretending to be somebody else. I got bad news for you. This wasn't a good day. Can you imagine? She's walking in and she's thinking, who texted him? Who emailed him? Who clued him in that I was coming? Well, that's how God operates. God begins to speak. And so he says, I got bad news. Keep reading, verse 7. Go tell Jeroboam, thus says the Lord God of Israel, because I exalted you from among the people, and I made you ruler over my people Israel, and I tore the kingdom away from the house of David, and I gave it to you. And yet you have not been as my servant David who kept my commandments, And who followed me with all his heart to do only what was right in my eyes. You know what he's telling? You ignored my commandments. You knew what I asked you to do. And you chose not to do them. But you have done more evil than all who were before you. For you have gone and made for yourself other gods. Molded images to provoke me to anger. And if you have cast me... Behind your back. Now you know what he tells him here? You've, you've achieved the all-time low of sin in our nation. He said you've done more ugly stuff than anybody before you. That's not something to brag about. Not to be happy. Verse 10. Therefore, listen to this. Behold, I will bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam. 
And I will cut off from Jeroboam every male in Israel, bond and free. I will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam as one takes away refuse until it is all gone. What happens when we know the word and we don't obey the word? When we don't believe the word? Listen to what he goes on and says, verse 11. The dog shall eat whoever belongs to Jeroboam and dies in the city. And the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field, for the Lord has spoken. Because they never showed any remorse for their sins. He never repented of his sins. Their sinfulness was so grave that he said, Your followers, if they die in the city, their bodies will be eaten by dogs. Not a pleasant sight. And he said, if they die in the field, the birds, the vultures, the ravens, they're going to tear it up. The consequences, again, when I begin to hear the word of God and I, I think I can cut corners, I don't have to obey. He goes on and says this. Arise, therefore, go to your own house, and when your feet enter the city, the child shall die. Now what we must understand this, the prophet spoke. And right here to prove the validity of what was spoken, he tells the queen, Jeroboam's wife, he said, listen, I don't care if you run as fast as you can to the city or as slow as you want. When your feet hit the city, the child dies. Same chapter, verse 17. Listen real close. Then Jeroboam's wife arose and departed, and she came to Jerazah. And when she came to the threshold of the house, the child died. I read this and I think, how did Jeroboam begin to get off? How did he begin to drift from the things of God? It's very easy when we look at what happened and turn back with me to, to 1 Kings 12. And I want, you so, I want you to see just little things. That this is how the drift, not just only disobeying the word of God, but, but listen to this in, in uh, 1 Kings 12, verse 25. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim, and he dwelt there. Also he went out from there, and he built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, he began to think, he began to strategize, and he began to rationalize as a human being. He began to think, well, if I do this or this and this, instead of just living by the word of God. And so the way he begins to drift is he starts rationalizing. Now watch what goes on. If these people of mine... They go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. And understand this. This is what the Jews were supposed to do. Several times a year they were supposed to go to Jerusalem and worship God. So he said, if they go to Jerusalem to the house of the Lord, then the heart of the people will turn back to the Lord. Rehoboam, which was Solomon's son, the king, he says here, Rehoboam, the king of Judah, and they will kill me, and they will go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Now remember what God said to him? He said, if you'll obey me and honor you, 
or honor me, I'm going to take care of you your whole life. Something happens when we begin to go against the things that God tells us. So he goes on to say, Therefore the king asked advice. And he made two calves of gold. Jews had something about those two calves of gold. That wasn't the first time they'd done that. Remember Moses' life? They'd done the same thing. The reason I want to highlight this is because he made idols where it should have been God. And we look at each other right now and we think, you know what? I would never bow down and worship a golden calf. And that's true. None of us in here would probably ever worship a carved image, a stick or something like that. But when you think the truth of the matter, an idol is anything that we put above God. Anything that we worship over God. Now, I would tell you this right now. The NBA playoffs start in eight minutes. How do you know that, Pastor? Because me and John enjoy the NBA playoffs. But you know what? I'm not going to put the NBA playoffs before God. I can record it. And the truth of the matter is, when I get to heaven, God's not going to say, Hey, what'd you think about Steph and the Warriors beating LeBron and the Cavs? God could care less. But when we begin to put the things of this earth, and I said basketball, my cell phone can become an idol, my job can become an idol, a person become an idol. I mean, you just think of all the things that in our life keep me from coming to God. How many people don't come to church on Sunday morning because, you know what, the NFL's on today and I'm not going to miss it. Some people don't come to church on Sunday morning because I got a tea time at 9.30 in the morning. So you know what you just told me? Golf is your God. No, 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 no. Be careful. Be careful. So we see that he replaces God with these golden calves. And he said to the people, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel. So you know what he's just done? He thinks he's blessing the people. He says, you know what, I'm going to make it really easy on you this year. I'm going to make it really convenient on you. I'm going to respect your time. But you know what he does? Not only does he dishonor God, he leads a whole group of people, ten tribes, away from God. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. They didn't bring them. That golden calf didn't have any sense, okay? God's the one who brought them up out of Egypt. And he said, and he set up one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing, look at this, became a sin for the people who went to worship before the one as for Dan. Many times I think the way we start drifting is just a little bit here. Just a little bit there. And if I'm not careful, I compromise over here and I start getting away from the very things that God asked me to do. But again, God's desire is to bless us. It's a choice. Now, I want to end tonight in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Really, when I look at Jeroboam, 
Instead of turning to God, he clothed himself in being smart and clever. He said, you know what, I think I'm just going to be real smart and clever here. Man, you're never smart or clever when you start going against the things of God. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Now watch close to this. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. That statement there, the more earnest heed, literally says, we are the, uh, to listen carefully to the truth. More careful attention to the truth. Now listen to what he says. Pay attention to the things you have heard. Pay attention to the word of God. Why? Least we drift away. Least we drift away. I love the ocean. I love to get in the ocean. And what I found out about the ocean is that you can drift without even knowing it. Without even trying. Kind of the current just begins to move you. And if you've ever spent much time in the ocean, usually where I've been at the ocean, there's lifeguard stands. And so you may be way over here, and right in front of you is lifeguard stand number nine. And you need to remember that because before long, the undercurrents will begin to take you out, and you begin to drift, and you begin to drift, and you begin to drift. And before long, you know it, you're at lifeguard chair number one, and you think, how did I get this far down here? To a degree, I didn't even work here. I just got caught in the current, and it pulled me that direction. See, that's the same way as a believer. It takes little things just to cause me to drift, to pull me away from God, the things of God. That's why the most successful believer is the disciplined believer. The one that says, you know what? I, I'm going to get into the Word of God every day. And if we would begin to look at what he said to Joshua there in Joshua 1, learn to speak the Word. Speak the Word out of your mouth. Meditate on the Word and begin to obey the Word of God. Because when I think I don't have to obey the Word of God, I don't care who we are. We're not exempt from drift. We're not exempt from, from messing up. The time in King David's life that he really, really messed up is when he was supposed to be in battle with the rest of the kings. And you know what he said? I don't think I'm going to go this time. And it's the story when he went up on the roof and saw Bathsheba. Now, I don't ever believe with all my heart that David didn't wake up that morning and say, you know what? I think I'm going to get into sexual sin tonight. I don't have nothing else to do. He didn't think that. He didn't plan that. And yet when I go and look at that, instead of repenting and coming back to God immediately, you know what he tries to do? He tries to hide it. And that's why I said earlier, anytime you've got to hide or sneak around with stuff, something's wrong. And so he tries to hide it. And now you know what he has to do? He has to kill her husband to cover his tracks. So I don't believe that day he woke up and said, you know what? I don't like your ride hit the Hittite. I think I'm going to kill him today. He never thought that. But if you look how easy it is for to drift, so, man, we've got to keep our heart on Jesus. Sometimes you just apply the word of God and you apply it by faith. 
I've spoken the word and I've spoken the word. And many times I spoke the word by faith. I started out saying, Lord, I I don't know why I'm speaking the word of God. But I kept speaking the word of God. And because I got my mouth in agreement with the word of God, things begin to happen in my life. And begin to meditate on it. And then begin to observe to do it and understand this. God wants you to prosper and God wants you to be successful. Do you know I didn't read that in, in Joshua 1? Later on in that verse, Joshua 1 verse 14 or 15, it says God wants you to enjoy it. If you're prospering, enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy having fun. I'm going to tell you right there, enjoy it. If you pull up in a new car, enjoy it. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.